Good morning, brothers and sisters. As we approach the end of the liturgical year before we begin the season of Advent, the church always gives us these readings about the end times. As we again end the year, we should reflect about the times when Christ will come again in glory. He will come to judge the heavens and the earth. And we have from the Gospel of Luke this clear prophecy about the end times from our Lord. Many people were impressed by the temple in Jerusalem, how beautiful it was, the gold, the jewels, all of the statuary, everything. And Jesus warned them that there will be a time in which every stone here will be cast down. Obviously, this is a shock to any Israelite. The temple was the greatest gift because it was the way that they drew close to God and God drew close to them. And the fact that the temple itself would be destroyed would have been terrifying. And so they naturally ask, when is this going to happen and what are the signs that will precede it? See, good Hebrews know that the Lord always sends us signs. He doesn't like blindsiding his people. So the Lord tells them, first, people will come in my name claiming to be me and telling you that the time has come. Don't believe them. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, in every age, usually about every 10 years or so, there's always a bunch of people that start crying out, oh, the end of the world is nigh, right? And they, they start trying to use the Lord's words in the scriptures to try to prove their point and point out all of the signs of the times. Our Lord is going to give us the signs, but he's also telling us you can't figure out the actual time. So anybody who claims to know when the Lord is coming again, you can know is a liar, or at least insane. So either way, you shouldn't follow them. So people will come in my name, claiming that the time is near. The Lord says not to follow them, and then he tells us that wars, insurrections, will also come, but don't be afraid of them. He says, such things must happen first. It always surprises me when, when people are terrified that there are wars going on. There have always been wars going on, always. And there will always be until the coming of Christ. He tells us that when the end is near, nations will rise against nations, kingdoms, against kingdoms, so great wars. There will also be powerful earthquakes, famines, plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. It is completely normal that we look for omens. In every culture, in every religion, there is this strong tradition that we have just as people to look for signs, for omens that, that point to some future event. Because we're always trying to anticipate what's going to happen next because if you can anticipate something, at least you think that you can get ready for it. Now our Lord is giving us the omens. He's telling us what we need to look for and what we should expect. But he gives us one very important point. Before any of these omens start to happen. You are going to be seized and persecuted. You'll be handed over to synagogues and prisons. They will lead you before kings and governors because of my name. 
Some of you will be put to death. Others will be able to give testimony. Don't worry about what you will say. Jesus says, I will give you the words in your defense at that moment, and no one will be able to stand against you. And then he ends by telling us that it is through perseverance that we secure our lives. Perseverance. Perseverance means the ability to suffer as long as it takes until you reach your goal. That's what perseverance is. The ability to suffer patiently until you obtain your goal. The goal, of course, for us is getting to heaven. It's salvation. So being faithful to Christ, persevering to the end, regardless of the pain and suffering we have to endure, if we do that, then Jesus says we will secure our salvation, our lives. Now, even though many people would like to think that the end is near, it's important to remember this final point. The Lord says, before these things happen, you will be persecuted because of my name. At least in this country, that hasn't officially started yet. And I say yet. It's just a matter of time. Right? You, you, you watch the news, you pay attention, and all of the hot-button issues... are now coming to the front. One of the concerns that many parents have is what happens when the federal government, the state government, the school board, whatever it is, are trying to force these demonic ideologies upon our children. And we push back. We say, no, we are Christian, we are Catholic. You can't teach my children this. And then they come and they want to take your children away from you. They say you're, you're abusing them because you're not letting them identify with whatever gender they think they feel like that day. It's already begun to happen in this country, but it's, it's not official yet. There's still a chance it may be postponed, but not a great one. It will happen eventually. I promise you, it always does. And what is our response? What is our responsibility when things like that happen? Well, simply put, we are to be faithful to Christ no matter the cost. No matter the cost. To your own life, the lives of your spouses, the lives of your children. Our fidelity to the Lord has to be unyielding. One of the things that's consistent whenever these prophecies come true in history is that the ruling government first begins to punish the Christians by taking away their money and their possessions and their property. Then it throws them in jail and then when that still doesn't work, it takes their lives. It's the same progression every time. We should never be surprised when this happens. I'm not saying we just let it happen. We do our best to try to elect officials that follow good Christian moral standards. But that doesn't mean we're going to win. But our job is not to change culture and society. 
Anybody who tells you that does not understand what Jesus teaches. Our job is to follow Christ. If we follow Christ, that will change culture and society. But our responsibility is to persevere in the faith regardless of the cost. St. Paul is referring to this in the second reading. He says, when we came among you, we didn't burden you. We worked day and night and preached the gospel so that we would be an example to you of how to live a holy and virtuous life. But he warns you, some of you aren't doing that. When you work, he says, you mind the business of others. In another English translation, it's translated as, when you work, you're busy bodies. You're concerned about what everybody else is thinking and doing. There's a lot of gossip, water cooler talk, all of that stuff. You know what St. Paul tells you? He says, work quietly. Stop talking. Be silent. Persevere in your task and do it humbly. In order to persevere through any trials and tribulations in life, you need the grace of Christ, right? That's why he left us the church and her sacraments. So I go to confession to have my sins forgiven. I come to Holy Communion to be strengthened by the body, blood of Jesus Christ. I pray each day, again, to maintain that strength through my work, my schooling, whatever it is that I'm doing. But one of the major things that prevents that grace that comes to me through the sacraments from taking effect on a daily basis is my lack of silence. I'm a busybody. And this is men and women alike. We see this predominantly in our culture on the internet nowadays. All of the social media accounts, all of the blogospheres, 99% of it is gossip and slander. When was the last time you, you just wanted to get in some theological or philosophical or political argument online with somebody? Why? What good was that doing? And you may say, well, Father Miller, I, I have a right to share my opinion. Uh, okay, okay. But you're assuming your opinion matters. Yeah, you can say what you want, but God can punish you for it just the same. Where in the scriptures does it give you a right to your opinion? Where in the tradition does it say that human beings have a God-given right to their opinion? You have a right to think what you want. But God says, every careless word you speak will be accounted for. Every careless word you speak will be accounted for. Throughout our day, when we cannot keep a quiet and contemplative mind, we can't focus on God. And when we're not focused on the Lord, when challenges come, we fall back on our bad habits, on our weaknesses, and on our sins. A mind that cannot remain focused throughout the day cannot hold on to the grace of Christ in those difficult moments. But the only way to keep your mind quiet is to practice silence. 
And not just silence by closing your lips and not speaking. That's definitely a part of it. But spending time each day intentionally in silence. When was the last time you got into your car and drove somewhere and didn't turn on the radio? Especially if you were alone. Now, I'm not picking on you. I, I do the same thing. I enjoy having the radio on when I drive. But what is it about silence that we resist? The main reason we resist silence is because it's uncomfortable. And why is it uncomfortable? When someone begins to practice silence in their life, externally, turning off the radio, the computer, the television, just sitting quietly in a place, the first thing that happens is they're left alone with their own thoughts. And most of our thoughts are not very good. Either they're sinful or tempting, or they're egotistical and self-centered. Regardless, all those thoughts do is bring up our imperfections and our sins and our weaknesses. There's actually a reason for this. Our Lord wants those things to come up when you're silent, when you're quiet, and when you reflect. The main reason is so that in your silence, you begin to see those things about you that keep you separated from God. He wants those things removed from your life so that he can draw closer to you, so that you can draw closer to him. So every time you're quiet, the Lord is like, hey, look at that dirty spot. Let's clean that up. And if you don't want to change, you don't want to listen to that voice. And so you continue to go about your life with all of the distractions. You have to learn to persevere through the silence. It is uncomfortable. It is difficult. Nobody likes going to the dentist and being told you have cavities. But the dentist is doing you a kindness in telling you that. Because if he doesn't point it out and they aren't fixed, then you're going to suffer more later on. It's one of the greatest tactics of the evil one to create so much technology, to influence so much that we can't sit quietly. You cannot hear the voice of God if you are not quiet. An external quiet leads to internal quiet, the quieting of your mind. And many of you can't quiet your mind because you don't know how. It just takes practice. You begin small, right? You start with like two minutes of silence a day, set an egg timer during your prayer time, just sit there quietly, turn your phone off, turn your watch off if you have a watch phone, turn you know computer off, radio, TV, all of that stuff, and just sit quietly. Two minutes. You can even start this with your children when they're young. And yes, that's not gonna be very successful, but that's fine, you just, you just build on that. It may take a couple of weeks for everybody to learn to just sit quietly for two minutes. And after everybody gets used to the two minutes, add another minute. You just slowly build yourself up to a reasonable amount of time of quiet meditation. 
The more you do this, the easier it gets. You strengthen that mental muscle. You strengthen your ability to discipline your thoughts, to maintain focus. Practice makes perfect. But if you refuse to practice, you'll never improve. And when the Lord comes, will you be ready to meet him? Or will you be so focused on all of the problems in the world, the wars and insurrections, the plagues and the earthquakes? Our Lord tells us in the gospel, don't be terrified of these things. There's no reason to be afraid. Just focus on me and persevere. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.